Greetings from the Devil's Dexter, a podcast for the esoteric and strange. Do you want me to start? Yeah. Hey, Dirtlings. What's going on? I'm your host, Big Spoon, and I'm here with Ellsworth. What's going on? And she's going to blow my mind today with the Beecher Papers. With the Beecher Paper. Um, paper. It, yeah, it was a singular paper. He did write more <laughs> than one, but this is a specific singular paper that he wrote that um, ultimately changed the world of American medicine as we know it today. Ah, so we're starting the dark history of medicine. Yes, this is part of a series that will be ongoing, covering the dark history of medicine in general, globally speaking. Um, But this is one that kind of tiptoes, just we're going to give you a quick little dip into the horrificness that is (laughs) um, American medicine, starting with Henry Beecher. So what's the deal? So Henry Knowles Beecher, who that is not his maiden name is in the right term, but that's not the name he was born with. His last name was Anangst, what he was born with. He was an American anesthesiologist and researcher in the early and mid-1900s. He was born in 1904 to Henry Eugene and Mary Anangst in Peck, Kansas. I don't know if I'm pronouncing their last name right. We're going to hope it. It That's looks uh, like German or something. Yeah, it's angst, but with un in front. So they're unangsty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but he was born in Peck, Kansas, changed his surname to Beecher shortly after earning his master's degree in chemistry from the University of Kansas. He was the chief of anesthesiology at Massachusetts General Hospital, and he was the door professor of research at, in anesthesiology at Harvard. He was involved in studies involving pain, placebo effect, and brain death. And we won't get into this yet, but he was a complex person. His actions did not always meet his values. And there were other things that he did that came out after his death in declassified documents to the CIA. Maybe he was involved in more non-ethical experimentation. And as many people know, the CIA did some fucking wild shit during the Cold War. So the CIA is aware of Henry Beecher. Yes, although when I specifically searched his name in the declassified documents bin, so to speak, I didn't really find a whole lot. But yes, he he did some not great things, possibly. So is the government aware of him because he was that wild or was he working with them? Mostly aware of him. What he is most well known for is this Beecher paper that we're going to be covering. Okay, He did ultimately have a pretty significant influenced change within the way experiments and studies are performed and and just kind of ensuring that informed consent in one way or another is given. Although he personally did not believe it was truly ever possible to achieve 100% of the time informed consent. He still wanted, essentially, he did not think that studies that only harmed the patient and even if it was for the greater good, didn't necessarily make it a good enough reason to continue with that study if it was just hurting someone, especially if they did not have informed consent about what was going on. Oh, so not fucked up at all. Yeah, not fucked up at all. Totally normal medical history things. Great. Yeah. All right. Sounds very American. Yes. So, uh, So what else? In 1966, he wrote an article in the New England Journal of Medicine titled Ethics and Clinical Research. It references 22 known medical experiments that were not for the patient's benefit and, in fact, risked their lives through, um, oftentimes through the experimentation. Um, specifically, he said this paper was in reference to, quote-unquote, experimentation on a patient not for his benefit, but for that, at least in theory, of patients in general. So a lot of the times, these researchers would kind of convince themselves it was acceptable to do because it was for the greater good. And that tends to be throughout history an argument for some pretty terrible things is well it's for the greater good. And I understand that things are complex, but some of these studies are really terrible. He doesn't even mention some of the ones that I personally know of that he doesn't even bring up. It's possible I mean in sixty six some of them had not been outed yet, so that's possibly why he didn't bring wow. them up. But it's very like Birkin hair, grave robbing and then eventual murder to give to practicing surgeons yeah. that are trying to learn. It's yeah. Up. It's pretty terrible. If you really get into a lot of the medical advances we have today, the ethics behind how we got there are pretty icky. Like non-existent. Yeah. I mean, a lot of there's a decent amount of knowledge that we have that came out of, you know, concentration camps. And, yeah. There's some icky stuff. 
and that goes on. And, you know, it's kind of hard to look at it and say, okay, well, there was a, a great benefit to what was done, but is it really worth was it worth good. the cost? Yeah. Was it worth the cost of the non-consensual suffering that happened because of it? So he argues in this paper that unethical experimentation was performed a lot more often and a lot more generally, meaning more than one, just one branch of science than would be expected. And he claimed that there were more than 500 papers he found that were based on unethical experimentation, although he only uses 22 as examples. And he doesn't cite the examples because he believes that the researchers involved were not malicious, just misinformed, and he did not want to open them up to liability. So he did not cite any references that he used. Wow. And that's a lot of papers. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. The first type of unethical experimentation that he discusses is when known effective treatment is withheld. And this is something that I think anyone who's familiar with medical history is aware of this specific unethical study being done. It's not uncommon, you know, giving people having a control group. I mean, now when it happens, obviously people are informed, like they have a better idea of what's going on. But he uses three examples of this where experimenters withheld known treatments unbeknownst to the patients to a control group, providing them instead with a placebo. This type of experimentation was performed on military members. And boy, there's a lot of history of military members having some shit done to them in the name of science. And they were unaware that yes. they were getting a placebo. They were, they, yeah. There was no, there was no informed consent as to what okay. was going on. They also performed it on hospital patients and charity patients. In the case with the charity patients, meaning you know people who are needy, thirty-six died, twenty-three who would almost certainly not have died had they received the appropriate treatment. Wait, how many patients were part of this experiment? I didn't write that down. It was, I want to say the percentage that died was 23%. I think it was 156 or 150, something like that. That's a lot. It was, you know, close to a quarter of the people who participated died and it was because they didn't receive shit. Not, not, uh, not great. So before we move on to the other things he references, I want to bring up something that this first type of study that he brings up withholding a known effective treatment, I feel like it would behoove us to bring up the Tuskegee experiment because... Well, he doesn't use it as an example because it wasn't outed until the 70s. It wasn't outed until the 70s, but it was known. Papers were written about it. There were medical students who actually wrote to the researchers and told them that they thought it was wrong. It was not a secret that it was being done. It was just maybe a little bit cloudy as far as the consent involved. Yeah. But the Tuskegee experiment is a pretty clear example of unethical experimentation. They provided no true medical care to a very large population for decades. The experiment went on from 1932, did not end until 1972. Oh my God. That's, that's a long time. Yeah. Why? Because they wanted to know what the long-term effects of syphilis are. (gasps) Oh my God. Okay. I know. I know about this experiment. I definitely knew the name, but I couldn't make the connection of what the experiment was It's horrific. It really is horrific because it doesn't only involve the people who are participating in the experiment. It also involved their wives and children because things would get spread. So first of all, this experiment exclusively involved black men. Yep. And initially it involved 600 men, 399 of whom had syphilis, and then the other 201 did not have it. They did not obtain informed consent, obviously. And you might want to argue and they certainly did you know perhaps initially there was no malicious intent because they didn't have a cure for syphilis when they started so they were just figured they'd study it however there's still ickiness there because even though there was no known cure they didn't tell these men that they had a contagious disease they didn't tell them that they should try and prevent spreading it so they didn't tell them what the long-term side effects were which include mental illness and blindness and heart defects and all sorts of terrible stuff I thought these patients were going to get treatment and they were told they were being treated, but just getting a placebo. They didn't even know they had syphilis. Oh my fucking God. All they were told was they had, I think the term they used was bad blood, which is, which okay. was a term that was used for anything from anemia to syphilis, you know, yeah, that's a bunch a of things. Very generic way to describe. Yeah. So they told them they had bad blood. They didn't tell them that it was uh, contagious. And despite the fact that penicillin was recognized as a treatment of choice for the disease by 1943 and was a common treatment commonly available by 1947, no treatment was provided. And in fact, the researchers actually went out of their way to ensure that these patients would not receive treatment. They prevented them from going other places in the region 
region where other people were going for treatment and they stopped them from going there. And in fact, during World War II, when 250 something, I think of these men signed up for the draft, they went through the medical, they were told they had syphilis, they were told they had to go through a treatment plan. And these researchers prevented them from doing that so they could continue the research. Because they're the control group and they have to keep everything contained. Yeah. So they want to know what happens when you don't treat syphilis for an entire lifetime. Oh my God. That's fucking, hey, uh, this is a, a really dark episode, hence why we're not laughing and joking so much. This is pretty serious stuff. It's horrific. We'll try to keep it a little light, but damn. Yeah. That's, that's fucking rough. Yeah. It's worth noting that syphilis is 100% treatable. Like if you got it today, they would give you antibiotics. There are damages that if you have syphilis long-term or untreated, there are damages that may not be reversible. But if you got it today and then went in, you know, and got it taken care of, it's curable. All you need is a round of antibiotics. It's a very, I mean, you can go in, especially moms. So like typically when you're pregnant, you get something called a prenatal package and it tests you for all different kinds of things. HIV, hepatitis, you know, complete blood count. Certain places will test you for lead and absolutely a syphilis screen. Yeah. And like our local hospital will do that test. And if there's something reactive in it, and that can happen sometimes, they can send it out for a confirmation test. Yeah. So it's something easy. You can have that test done in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So contagious disease. So here are some of the side effects of untreated syphilis, blindness, deafness, mental illness, cardiovascular disease, bone deterioration, central nervous system collapse, and death. Death is an important thing to point out because by the time this study had ended, 128 patients had died from either syphilis or the side effects of syphilis. 40 of their wives had contracted it, and 19 children were born with congenital syphilis. And this can be, I believe, entirely the blame for that place on the shoulders of these researchers because that's all preventable. Yeah, um, they yeah. created a generational fucking disease. Yeah. And they could have stopped it. Yeah. For the sake of fucking science. And I understand trying to improve upon processes and medicine, but again, at what cost? Yep. It's fucking crazy. And then taking it out on impoverished black sharecroppers. I Exactly. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of, of course we would fucking do that. Yeah. At this time, I believe I read that they thought that syphilis was worse. Syphilis was more intense in black bodies is what I read. I don't know if that's true. That's I, interesting. It sounds to me a little bit like an excuse. It might be. Yeah. And that's why they were chosen kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, definitely different cultures, different races, um, certain diseases and illnesses are more prominent. Yeah. Like sickle cell. Sickle cell anemia yep. being yep. definitely one of them. But that you're right. That sounds like it a fucking just excuse. Smells a little fishy to me, especially <laughs> considering that it smells like syphilis. It smells like it smells like untreated syphilis. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Yeah. The fact that yeah, it was 256 patients registered for the draft were diagnosed as having syphilis and told to obtain treatment, and the researchers prevented them from getting that treatment. Honestly, we could dedicate an entire episode to this study because it just goes so deep. The level of fuckery. That, oh, that's involved. Was this just given like an honorable mention? In I'm just paper? giving it an honor. No, he doesn't even mention it. I'm mentioning oh, it because that's right. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even mention it. It just seems to me to be really worth bringing up as far as withholding known treatment because that is such an abuse of power in this situation and looks angrily at camera. <sighs> yeah. Oh, that's really frustrating unacceptable and and this is the thing where i've tried to explain this to some people you know there's with covid there are people who are uncertain about wanting to take the vaccine and i mean I, i'm vaccinated and pro vaccination generally however i understand why people are like <laughs> you no can't look at the history wonder. of things that have happened and been like the government wouldn't do anything to hurt us bitch they would and they do and they have <laughs> and we're just skimming the top right now yeah there are so many other things yeah targeted communities mm -hmm. i don't think there's anything malicious to do with the covid vaccine however especially as a minority i don't blame people for thinking nope. i'm not getting that because there is a very dark history especially with like marginalized communities yeah. of the government doing this. You so. go to the fucking dentist because you have an abscess and you need to get your tooth extracted. You come out with your tooth gone, but also you're fucking sterilized. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is a thing that happened. Yep. Yeah. 
So obviously, you know, things are not like they were, but I think it would be really naive to believe that things suddenly stopped happening. Yeah. I mean, I, for college, I was writing a paper about some really fucked up things regarding forced sterilization in the U.S. And they were talking about how it kind of didn't end up until a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. But I've been reading some things that kind of allude to it still happening. It is a really twisted control tactic that has been used on a lot of different groups of people. It's still actively happening in some groups of people. I mean, we're not going to talk about it today, but what's happening to the Uyghurs in China is fucking horrific and absolutely some form of Holocaust happening to those people. And that will be another entire episode to discuss. But yeah, so vaccines are very important, life-saving things that exist. This is not an anti-COVID vaccine conversation by any means i'm just saying i understand why there is that fear and it's a valid fear that anxiety i get it i get why it's there on to the next um type of study that he brought up are Um, you good and sad now everyone (laughs) it's only gonna get darker (laughs) i think it's worth mentioning that a lot of the people who were involved in these studies were either children the impoverished or people in psychiatric situations so yeah they take advantage of people they take advantage of the disadvantaged yes 100%. And we made it that way. Yeah. So the next thing he covered was study of therapy. He gives an example of a drug that was given primarily to children after they discovered evidence of hepatic or liver dysfunction. The study confirmed their suspicions. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) It caused liver damage in the children. Oh my God. Yeah. Again, no informed consent in this situation. Not a medication that was necessary for the children to be given. It was just a test. And what did they wait? What did they think the treatment was? Like, what was it going to do? I don't recall. I didn't write that down. But um, to improve something or prevent something. Yeah. I believe this is one of the examples because there are several examples in this where things were given to entirely healthy people. And I believe this is oh. one of the situations where the children were healthy and they were just like, we just want to see what happens. So I think they, they didn't have any type of liver issues. No, some of the diseases. I guess technically this is a disease, but some of the diseases, quote unquote, that they were treating with this medication included acne. So like they were just, yeah, (laughs) it was, it just seemed, it was sus. And again, there's something about preying on children that is especially disgusting. Yeah. It just fucking sick and not in a cool way. Yeah. Then he goes on to describe physiologic studies. He gives nine examples in this one. Again, a lot of these involve children from studying the effects of a thymectomy, which is the surgical removal of your thymus gland, which is a gland that produces T cells, uh, mm-hmm. white blood cells. Um, so it's you know good for your immune system. So they were studying the effects of removing the thymus gland on skin homographs on 18 children. These children ages varying from, I think it was three months to 18 years. So Whoa, that's a, that's a really interesting pool of patients yeah. age-wise. I believe the thymus gland might have some impact on growth, like in puberty. Uh-huh. And also, you know, removing something that has such an impact on your immune system. I think that they were just curious to see what would happen if you graph someone else's skin. It wasn't their own, you know, graph yeah. skin onto a surgical patient to see what happens. And the thing that he pointed out was there was no long-term you know, maintenance to see what happens to these children over their lifetime. If there are any like serious side effects, you know, doing something that is unnecessary. That's the the key thing here is these are not things that are not like, you know, you have cancer and they say there's this treatment. It may not work, but it might work. That is an experiment where you may not benefit from it, but you know, you're consenting, you're consenting to it. And there's a chance you will benefit from it. A lot of these studies are things where it's like, the patient will not receive any positive. It's like putting a magnifying glass on an anthill. Maybe that's not an entirely fair comparison because I believe that some of these scientists and, and these researchers did think greater good. We're going to find this out so we can save more people. And it's kind of the trolley thing. You know, are you going to bump that trolley and kill one person instead of four people? But it's really tough to make that argument. Like I get in a very cold scientific way yeah we want to do it for the greater good we'll kill 18 to save thousands but you're killing 18 like you're actively performing harm and that is something that you you know that's in the hippocratic oath that you don't do that yeah that's why we can't have nurses and doctors going into prisons for lethal injection it's against the hippocratic oath so it's officers doing that that'll be an episode um (laughs) i didn't know that actually that's that's, yes it's against the hippocratic oath very interesting 
you will not do harm. So they cannot do it. And it is officers and it is randomized so that they do not know who is the one actually pushing what into the patient. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. It's, um, I'll lead that episode when we end up doing it. It's very interesting. But my worry with these experiments and yeah, for the greater good or whatever, what they were doing, it kind of sounds like some of it was unfounded, not a good reason to be implementing certain drugs to these patients. No, it it really was. Some of these studies were purely out of curiosity. And again, healthy patients without any physical apparent problems. Yeah. And some of these people were not healthy, but that doesn't justify fucking around outside of what you need to be doing just to see what happens. Yeah. You can't fuck around and find out. Not with someone else's body without consent. And informed consent is a really important thing because there's a difference between saying there's another one we'll get down to. Along with physiological studies, they also studied anesthesia and cardiac arrhythmias, wherein they intentionally injected carbon dioxide into uh, the respiratory system to provoke an arrhythmia. And they did it for an extended period of time, Whoa, which is entirely fucked up and could cause like serious damage. There's another one where they, I'm jumping kind of ahead to this, is studies to improve the understanding of disease. So in talking about informed consent, he gave five examples of studies to improve the understanding of disease. One of these examples, they injected live cancer cells into 22 hospitalized patients who were not informed what it was. They said, all you're receiving is an injection. They didn't say... Oh, we're injecting live cancer cells into you just to see what happens. My eye is twitching about it. Yeah. Oh my God. So informed consent is really important because there's a huge difference between, and you know, honestly, even saying we're injecting live cancer cells into you is not informed consent. Saying we're injecting something into you. We don't know what it's going to do. There's a potential that it could kill you. There's a potential that these are the side effects. That's informed consent. Someone yes. understanding what's going on. And they have to be the mental capacity to accept that. They can't be a child. They can't be a psychiatric patient. They, they can't be somebody in a fucking coma yeah. either. Oh, you know. I, oh, oh, man, we could... We could do an entire episode on things that are the number of women who give birth when they're in comas is absolutely horrific and disgusting. I've definitely heard stories, but talking about volumes, uh, yeah, that's scary. I haven't read it into this at all. So I'm just kind of like throwing this out there, but I read part of an article and it just pissed me off. So I stopped reading it, but someone was suggesting that they use women in comas as surrogates for people who can't have their own children. Oh my fucking God. Talk about informed consent. There's a podcast I've been listening to, Obituaries, and they're fantastic. They did cover, well, um, there's some states with certain laws that if a woman or someone with a uterus is pregnant and they're in a car accident or something, or they go into a coma for whatever reason, you cannot terminate their life until they give birth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the story that they covered, the husband was there for months and months advocating because he knew this is not what his wife wanted. Yeah. Right. And it was months, months and months That's and months. disgusting. Yeah. It was really fucked up. Imagine losing your spouse and then having to go through the trauma of trying to fight with the hospital to like respect. Well, what was so awful is that the baby wasn't viable. Are you kidding me? No. No, that's, that's just cruel that's just i don't know what state this was in i was it texas it seems very (laughs) texas-y yeah texas um get your shit together (laughs) i think there was a ruling that happened afterward i don't know what came of it but my god the fucking torment i i can't even imagine especially like i am pro-choice but i can at least empathize with people who are pro-life i get it yeah i don't agree with it but i get it yeah Um, i get it i totally respect yeah that but when it's not even viable like you're just being an asshole at that point i think it's a personal choice yes i'm not going to decide what's best for you that doesn't make any sense yeah you need to do what makes sense for you it is it is everyone's individual choice what is going on with their bodies and i can understand it being a conflicting decision for for doctors of the state if there was a woman in that situation with a viable pregnancy and like maybe you can't trust what the spouse is saying you know i get that but it's not viable that's just yeah, it was it was not good. If you guys want to listen to that episode, um, again, the podcast is obituary spelled like B-I-T-C-H <laughs> with Spencer Henry and Madison Reyes. And they are a goddamn riot. I highly recommend. What a horrible thing to put a spouse through. It's yeah. fucking awful. Oh, man. I'll double check myself later just to make sure I got it right. It's, but I was sounds, I was horrified when it's I believable. heard it. 
it's believable. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, there are states that make children give birth. So anyway. Anyways. Um, so another example of studies to improve the understanding of disease. Another example of where they intentionally induced hepatitis at an institute for, quote unquote, mentally defective Hold children. the fucking phone. Intentionally induced hepatitis. Yes. That is fucked In up. Children. At, this is this My is the heart. term that he used, quote unquote, mentally defective children. So I'm assuming children with disabilities or even just I didn't get specifics because he didn't cite the sources. But what like, decade I imagine is like this. Oh, this I, is this is probably the 50s. I would imagine maybe the 60s, early I'm just, 60s. I'm thinking about mental institutions and people that were put there who had all of their faculties and cognitive a abilities. A gay person, a gay person, trans person, trans, someone with depression, depression, hysteria. Yeah, well, yeah, a woman who was a little too excited. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. So yeah, just that was their term was mentally defective well, children, children, which could be with anything. ADHD. Yeah. Like man, I'm defective as hell. Yeah, we still fucking do that to kids. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. So they induced hepatitis into these children in order to determine the period of infectivity for infectious hepatitis. It's really disturbing, although not surprising, how many of these studies involve children and or the disabled. Yeah. Disabled children. I mean, that's double whammy. Just Yeah. And their uh, definition at the time of disabled children. Yeah. You know, there are situations where they did receive consent from the parents, but it wasn't really informed. The parents didn't really understand the severity of what they were agreeing to. Wow. It's just really hard to read this stuff and wrap your mind around it and not... I generally would say that I'm pretty good at understanding from perspectives that I don't agree with. Seeing where someone's coming from, even if it's not what I would come from, but it's just really hard... To understand going to medical school and doing something and like, you know, you want to help people and you want to save people. And then going into a children's hospital and being like, time to fucking give some kids hepatitis just to see what happens. You just can't justify that. I couldn't sit across from somebody telling me that. Yeah. And just be like, okay, I see where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah. I totally, never. it's for the greater good. Yeah. Kill those no. children. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> It's really hard. And it's not even, I mean, like killing is like unacceptable, but it's not even that. They're essentially torturing them. You know, they're putting them through illness. Oh yeah, they're living through it. Yeah. And some of the things that were done to these people are, are like truly horrific and have long-term side effects. Like the, again, the Tuskegee experiment is forever to me one of the high things. I mean, there's there's a lot of medical history and things that benefit us today that came from really terrible things. Gynecology is another one that we'll have to cover. Oh, um, yep. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and it almost always involves disadvantaged people, the poor children, minorities. So, and then he moves on to the technical study of disease where he gives three examples. All of these examples are cardiac related and experiments were performed on a number of subjects, both healthy and unhealthy to determine the effects of different things. Okay. So again, you know, putting a catheter in a heart or performing very invasive studies on someone who is healthy is dangerous. There's always a potential that there could be serious side effects, if not death. Oh, yeah. And so when they're performing these tests on catheterization, cardiac catheterization or anesthesia in a situation where it's entirely unnecessary on patients who do not know what's going on and are not agreeing to it. Like maybe you give the example of going to the dentist and then ending up being sterilized. Some of these people go and they just go for a normal procedure and then they do other tests on them while they're under. And the death rates of these things are really high. So you're putting someone at a risk for dying for no reason. I mean, just to state your own curiosity. And again, you can say, well, it's for the greater good. We need to study these diseases. Study them on people who are okay with being studied on. There are yeah. people out there who would agree to that. And that's tough too. Cause then you're like, okay, well there are people who agree to get studies done on them cause they need the money. And that's tough. Cause like technically that's informed consent, but that's also a little icky. Yeah. There's actually, I saw not a local hospital, but a hospital in another state nearby. They're actually doing a lung study. The patients are between like a certain age. The only criteria is like, you can't be pregnant, currently have a lung disease, blah, blah. They just want to study lungs over a four-year period of time. And you have to go and get scans done and do some tests, blood tests and yeah. whatnot, like quarterly throughout yeah. the year. And I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that's so interesting because it'll be the first study of its kind. And we're going to be possibly helping the future of lung health. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And they're offering money to do it as well. You have to go through your preschool screening and all that other stuff but then i was thinking how we were going to be doing these episodes and i was like oh, fuck that <laughs> i i i have um i have signed up for 
for things like that. You know, like I'll get advertisements, you know, if you yeah. have asthma, sign up and like test out yeah. this new, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not that I don't believe that those things could harm me. It's just at this point, I have, there's a little bit of like, I guess, nihilism in me where I'm kind of like, at this point, <laughs> the amount of things in my environment in general that are going to kill me are so high. <laughs> yeah. That, like, I mean, under everything's wrapped in plastic. We're like yeah. little floating garbage bins. <laughs> whatever give me $300 I'll take the inhaler <laughs> I um I don't feel bad about not joining the study now because I know tons of other people are going to do it and that need the money yeah and whatever yeah. a little extra money is nice but at the same time I'm like I'll just watch yeah see what happens <laughs> yeah out of curiosity let me know in four years or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah damn it's very um Mangala you yes know? like we have our own it is very interesting. Well, I mean, that's, again, a whole other episode could be dedicated to this, but the Nazis did form a lot of their behaviors off of things that we did. They kind of idolized the way that we committed genocide here. And we did commit genocide. Very horrific, wiped out a lot of people. And they modeled themselves after us in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that's how we started the country. Yeah. We, we, we <laughs> I mean, we, it's sick, it's but absolutely. That's like, what we did. Yeah. So it's hard because you, you know, obviously like Nazis, a terrible thing. And it feels hypocritical to be like, we're so much better than they are. I mean, like, obviously talking about us as individuals is different than talking about as, as a society. Right. But when you look at what we were built on, it's pretty disgusting. Yeah. Genocide was our foundation. Genocide and slavery. Yep. Yeah. I'm proud to be an American. There's a lot about America that I love. Same. Um, but I'm not going to ignore the fact that we did some really fucking terrible yeah. shit to get where we are now. And a lot of that is generational and still continuing to this day. There is much work to be done. Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, I think it's really important to make the distinction that you can love something and still be critical of it. Yeah. I love America. I have traveled, been to a lot of different countries. I love being here. There are a lot of things that I want to change and I plan on changing, being involved in the change. But that doesn't mean that I don't love it. I mean, I, there are family members that you can love and still be like, yeah, you need to do some fucking work or you've done some terrible things, but you can still love someone, you know? Oh yeah. Over, um, um pretty much since the pandemic <laughs> started, <laughs> I've lost a lot of my family, like my blood relatives. I do not speak to them anymore. My sibling does not speak to them anymore because it's not good. From what I've seen online, there's like this movement of children disowning their own parents yeah. or something, yeah. which is like, well, that's exactly what I had to do yeah. for my own well-being and I am better for it. I'm sick of giving chances to them and I will always love them. But my door is no longer open. Yeah. That's where I'm at now. And I always give people, especially family, the benefit of the doubt. But as I get older, I realize that all it was doing was crushing me. Yeah. And it's not worth it. No. What the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we have we have one more type of study to cover and then Ew. we'll go on to the rest of Beecher's life. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound that excited. I just... <laughs> I was excited to move on from the disowning Depressing. my fucking parent thing. <laughs> anyway. uh, there's one last study that he covers. He labels it as a bizarre study where they performed. I'm not going to try and pronounce this word, but it is a thing where they look at the urethra and the urinary bladder. And they did it to 26 healthy babies, all less than 48 hours old. Whoa. Um, just to see what happens with the urethra during urination, essentially. Um, Why? And fucking curiosity and by fucking. doing this they exposed these babies to x-rays unnecessarily and as even at this point in time you know x-rays are not really great to be you don't want to be subjected to x-rays a lot no yeah so they exposed these pregnant or a baby newborn babies to x-rays with an unknown risk for the exposure just to sate their own curiosity what the fuck yeah at the end of this article, he goes out of his way to comment on the death rates of some of the procedures that were unnecessarily performed on patients. So for cardiac catheterization, if you're doing it on the right side of the heart, in one in a thousand cases, it leads to death, which is actually a lot. On the left side, it's wow. five deaths in a thousand cases. Um, liver biopsy death rate is two to three per thousand. And so like when they were studying liver damage in children, they did biopsies on the, on the children. So like hepatic functions. Yeah. Two to three per a thousand is the rate of death for that. And then for anesthesia, the death is one per 2000 cases. Oh my God. So they're putting these people at like those, those numbers don't seem that significant, but that's actually a very high rate. 
That is fine. Um, yeah, so they're putting people at a risk of death for no reason. What the fuck? Just to seek curiosity. Yeah. I mean, this paper was really controversial when it came out. A lot of researchers felt like he had unfairly or exaggeratedly pointed out these unethical situations. Well, from what you're telling me, it sounds like he didn't include a lot of stuff. No. And and he also went out of his way to not cite them directly because he didn't want to ruin these researchers' lives. Because he said that he thought that it was not done out of maliciousness. It was done out of a lack of information and that he just wanted to change the way things were done. So wait, so is Henry Beecher the bad guy here? No. Or is he just He is a bad guy in some ways, but not in, not in this situation. I wouldn't even say whistleblower. He didn't I don't think he saw it that way. He just saw it as he was pointing out something that he wanted to change. And you know, it took another this came out in nineteen sixty six, I think. Okay. And it wasn't until nineteen seventy four that they passed National Research Act, which kind of protected um human search subjects Mm -hmm. and to me i think probably what might have had more of an impact on that than his own paper was i think 72 is when the tuskegee experiment the whistle was blown on that okay so i think that that probably had more of a significant impact than the beecher paper but the beecher paper did make people start thinking about it and interestingly enough despite his strong feelings on the ethics of medical experimentation he did not think that regulation was the answer he Uh, did not think that formally requiring (laughs) consent was possible because this is a direct quote all so-called codes are based on the bland assumption that meaningful or informed consent is available for the asking so what he thought the solution was instead was that journals should refuse to publish data even if it was valuable data they should just refuse to publish it if it came from a unethical study or if the information was not obtained ethically he thought that would limit or end unethical practices so he was not pro-regulation he just i think he was just trying to point out hey this shit seems unethical and wrong and we should have a conversation about it instead of like blowing a whistle more of like okay wanting to have a conversation about it okay that's not a bad thing because no. you know you don't want to freak out the public but you do want to exact change but I think awareness is everything too. Yeah. Human beings are flawed. People are capable of growth and capable of of maybe not realizing what they're doing is wrong. It's hard to imagine not realizing what you're doing if you're doing these things is wrong, but I don't know. That was how he saw it. And most interesting to me, reading more about Beecher, there's an article called Science in Dashaw's Shadow, Heb Beecher and the Development of CIA Psychological Torture and Modern Medical Ethics by Alfred McCoy. Oh my God. Um, Now, Dashaw, (laughs) if you're not familiar, was a concentration camp. So he, prior to the release, I think pretty much just in the 50s, he did work for the CIA and he was actively searching for a medicinal method to make the mind more open to sharing its secrets oh like a truth serum yeah basically what do they call that yeah, a, um the, truth serum works yeah yeah mccoy believes that beecher's drug experimentation was deeply influential in the cia's development of psychological torture and he was you know pretty heavily involved in it for that time period he believed that drugs could improve the interrogation success and that utilizing psychotropic drugs including mescaline and lsd would help improve interrogation techniques. And if you're familiar at all with Cold War CIA, mm-hmm. you know how deeply unhinged <laughs> they were and how <laughs> how insane these studies got. And, and if you want to talk about just doing things to see what happens and just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, that's yeah. like, that's what they did. And he actually worked at Camp King for a time. And Camp King was a place in Germany where they um, interrogated um German Nazi prisoners and at Camp King, you know, is where they tested drugs on prisoners as a part of Project Bluebird. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was the predecessor to Operation Artichoke, which was the predecessor to MK Ultra. So it's interesting that he wanted to limit the utilization of data, even if it's valuable, if it was obtained in an unethical manner, while he didn't have a problem with utilizing data that was obtained by Nazis in concentration camps, he didn't have a problem with working with Nazi doctors, and he didn't have a problem with working on expendable, quote unquote, subjects. He really like separated the artist from the art. Yeah. (laughs) What's interesting to me is that if I got my timeline correct, most of his defense contracting was in the 1950s, and this paper came out in 1966. Okay. So part of me wonders if this was like a hindsight's 2020 thing. And he was like, his experiences led him to believe that that stuff was wrong. Or if it was kind of like a guilty conscience thing. 
Yeah, um, maybe. I really like something that McCoy says in his article. At the beginning of a paragraph, he says, what lesson might we draw from the career of Dr. Henry K. Beecher, other than the importance of dying before your secret reports are declassified? <laughs> Because he was seen oh, as bitch. this, as this, you know, ethical master. Um, but then he did some really fucked up stuff. That is the fucking tea. It's really interesting. And one of the things that they mentioned that he had done was, you know, injecting mescaline into a psychiatric patient to death. What? Yeah. It's really interesting. And um, what to find out how quickly they would fucking die? I don't know why he did it. I couldn't find that. All One I know last is, hurrah. Yeah. All I know is that that was just something that maybe to see what the limit was. Maybe it was an accident. I don't know. That's the fucking thing right there. Mm-hmm. Pushing the fucking limit. Yeah. And it's hard wow. to tell. Like I had a hard time finding some of this information. A lot of it was behind paywalls. And Shocking. I'm generally pretty good at finding my way around paywalls. But some of the stuff I couldn't get. There's also a German documentary that covers some of the shit that was done to Germans at Camp King. And it's tough because I'm sure that a majority, at least, of the people who suffered at Camp King probably deserved it, if, you know, if they were Nazis. <laughs> like, it's hard for me to feel sorry for them. Yeah, um, but it's it. also, I understand that it's very complicated and there's probably a good chance that not all of them were Nazis and there are probably some German citizens who were just kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of situation because, again, the United States during the Cold War era was unhinged, a little cracked, like yeah. <laughs> arresting actors who we thought were pro-communist. We were not, we were not well. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it is hard to look at that and be like, okay, I guess it's like, where do you draw the line? Like, it's not acceptable to perform experiments on someone without consent, without informed consent. That's not ethical. But <laughs> is, is it okay if it's a Nazi? Because <laughs> that, like, a... you know, like personally, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, that's fine by me. But then it feels hypocritical because it's like, who gets to draw that line? You know, I think there's a problem if you're the person that is aware of the line or is drawing the line, and it's just in your mind. Everyone's line's going to be different because there are people like, for me, Nazis, pedophiles, like there are people who I'm like, okay, like experiment away. But then at the same time, there's always the risk of A, you're dealing with someone who is not what they were accused of being. And that for me is the biggest, that's the only reason that I'm not pro-death penalty. Because there are people who I think if they had done the things they were accused of, deserve to die. But the risk that you are going to put someone who did not do what they were accused of doing to death or to any kind of suffering, that's a very scary thought. There's a reason why the Innocence Project exists. Yeah. But again, some people, they live their lives this way, that that line is there to cross. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's hard, you know, I have a lot of respect for Beecher coming out and not popularly so coming out and saying, there is unethical experimentation happening in this country and it should end. But it's also kind of like, but you, also yeah so what did he think like yeah it's kind of honorable in a way that he's doing this and coming out with it at his own expense but was it to lessen the heat on himself and kind of be like well i'm the one coming out and letting you know that this is what's going on yeah i mean i think uh, certainly at the point in time that he was doing it i think he probably knew that what he had done was secret because it was not known until I think right. I think 2007 maybe. Holy fuck! It was really? it was well after his, he died in the 70s. I think it was well after his death that it came out. So I don't know if it was a personal growth thing and being like he had witnessed these experiments, he had taken part in them, and then he had decided this is unethical. Which it's fucky, but like good for him for growing. If that's the case, I can again but, the importance of dying before your secret reports yeah. are declassified. Or, or was it just kind of a... And again, he only pointed out... He didn't point out experiments that utilized prisoners of war and stuff like that. So maybe for him, that was the line for ethical versus unethical. He's just saying it's not right to do it on patients, you know, hospitalized people, on psychiatric patients, on children. But if you're going to do it on somebody, it's totally fine if you do it on a Russian prisoner of war or and an also ex-Nazi or... consent, informed yeah, consent. Yeah, so maybe that was his line. And again... I don't know. It's really tough and really complicated. End of the day, though, when you're performing experiments on people without their consent, I think it doesn't matter what you think that they're accused of doing because it's so easy to blur that line. And then, and then once you blur that line, that gives the others a justification to blur that line. And, you know, that's when people who are being, you know, persecuted because of their race or their creed or whatever. Right. And they're saying, well, you were doing it to your prisoners of war, so we can do it to our prisoners of war. Yeah, but your prisoners of war are prisoners of war because of the color of their skin or because of who they pray to. Yeah. So that Fucking- I think that's why it's necessary to have that line and to not cross it, even if it feels crossable for you, because who gets to make those rules? 
And yeah, I don't know. Things to think about. <laughs> Things to think about. We've said yeah. it before. Yeah. Say it fucking again. Yeah. Damn, that is dark. Yeah. My mind is blown. Yep. You were right. Yeah. So that's just a little toe dip into the <laughs> medical history. To the icy fucking bath. Yeah. To the deep <laughs> poisoned well of medical history. Ooh. That is a poison fucking yeah. well. Drink up. Speaking of poison wells, have you been reading any articles about uh, where we live? You mean like, about the water? Like specifically like very locally or just like Ohio related? I'm talking about. Like here. No. Yeah. So. <laughs> the man upstairs <laughs> he was reading like our community paper the village like our oh our local oh. yeah the one specifically i never read about that. where we live is there something wrong with our water well so the thing is there are wells around here apparently we're on city or town water or whatever yeah. so we don't need to worry about this but the wells have like exceedingly high volumes of PFAs in them. And some of the stuff that I'm reading, you can find it online. If you look up where we live, PFAs, you will see like court cases out in fucking California about PFAs in our water where we live Is it because of the neighboring state dumping all of their trash into our water, shared water source? It's because this used to be an Air Force base. It's military. I should have known that. That and the fucking spider goats. What? The man upstairs is the one who taught me about the spider goats. You don't know about the spider goats? (laughs) What the fuck? Are you talking about the ones that are in trees and shit? No. What the fuck? The spider goats. What are you talking about? Man, God. Are you there, God? Okay, well, they did experiments and they mixed (laughs) goat and spider DNA. Get the fuck out. And now there's like an ongoing joke that there are spider goats in the uh, pipes. Are you fucking with me? I'm not fucking with you. The man upstairs He's is the one who taught me. me this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was is like, he fucking with you? No, I looked it up. Okay. Because I, I, I always look things up when they seem I'm a little sus. I'm just saying he messed with somebody that did not know better and told them that they didn't have enough blinker fluid and they needed to go to the store to get blinker fluid. I'm just saying. Did they? <laughs> yep. <laughs> they did. No, I, I, I believe I believe he sent me an article or I looked it up because I read something fucking spider goats she's fucking with me i'm not (laughs) charlotte's goat if you google charlotte's goat on forbes in a concrete bunker in a mothballed air force base in new york two nigerian dwarf goats named millie and muscade joyfully munch grass and slurp water oddly they are protected from intruders by security guards and razor wire look this article up on forbes i will not read any more but their milk is highly prized by the u.s military why because it has like spider dna you have to read the article to find out what the fuck man spider goats (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is some twilight zone shit (laughs) what yeah i gotta look that up but yeah. yeah, so where we live, apparently the well water is the problem. And that is what has a super high level of PFAs. But it specifically mentions our community. It was a little freaky. I have a hard time believing that it's not in our water, yes. too. Yeah, yeah. I- me too. <laughs> because why are they going around hurriedly trying to change out all of the water mains? Yeah. And did we talk about this before that our water mains the are asbestos? They're basically yeah. made as of asbestos. It's asbestos and concrete, which is un- yes. we're not, not uncommon. But right. when it starts to break down is when it like when you're actually ingesting the asbestos particles, a lot of them is when it becomes an issue. So a lot yeah. of water mains have asbestos in them. Ours are like actively falling apart and like clogging up appliances level of falling apart oh my god my fucking furnace our hot water tank yep there's a great video of me on the ground after he drilled a hole like two feet above yeah the bottom of the hot water tank and i'm just holding a bucket and praying (laughs) yeah (laughs) but we had to because there was so there was like a foot of sediment Sediment. in it yeah we had no choice and it's fucking up our furnace too it's a goddamn mess yeah but yeah, and we had like a couple water mains break yeah. in a period of two weeks right around where we live, like on our road. Yeah. Fucking stupid. Yeah. And of course, we're out of hot water. There were times where I hadn't showered mm-hmm. in days and I'm taking like little bucket baths. Yep. Fucking. Yep. Oh my God. He's in the baby wipe bath. Yep. Yep. 
my dad used to call those a whore shower and i'm like that's not cool yeah actually that's that's a whore's bath and then there's another term that i'm not going to repeat because i think it's racist but there's a there's another term for oh. it as well that i think i probably heard it in college but it's it's just dumb um but not yeah cool. there are there are phrases for that the wipe the wipe down bath <laughs> god damn yeah yeah i was wearing tight ponytails and buns when that happened lots of dry shampoo oh oh so much i was getting like a film yeah <laughs> it was terrible oh uh, man yeah yeah i think um i think our our bard is calling it out for tonight he's sick oh no is he okay He's been bedridden the past couple of days. Oh, um, the man upstairs was saying he was probably still at the bar. Kind of smell um, the bartender. <laughs> Here's what happened on his end. Lucius, in his ever wisdom, has departed on a solo journey to a forest with magical elves seeking an endless cup of wine. But if we need him, he'll be at the tavern during nighttime and he'll buy the first rounds of the night. Just one night. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing oh, oh i'm sad oh are we still gonna yes. have it yes okay. yeah we'll play anyways and maybe he'll win some xp yeah and we'll yeah. have a drink in his honor yep i think that sounds dope yeah <laughs> so that's the uh that's the beecher paper that's just a little <laughs> a little sip of the darkness that is the skeletons in modern medicine's closet sometimes we'll have to open that closet door yeah, just peek inside, see what's going on. And yeah, it's good to know. It's important to know the history of these things. If nothing else, just to, I guess, feel a sense of gratitude, not the right word, but, you know, give your love towards the people who suffered often unwillingly in order for us to have what we have today. In a fucked up way, gratitude. There's got to be some other kind of word, but, you know, just... A moment of silence for the unwilling and, and really horrific suffering that has happened through medical experimentation, often unwillingly throughout history, that have given us modern medicine and general health that we have today. Count us as pretty lucky that we haven't had to go through anything like that ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed, dirtlings. Yeah. Stay dirty. Stay dirty. That's crazy. Nice work.